This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with uh, fellow app nerds, Grant Williams and John Beeler. We have a really cool show today. Uh, we've got a bunch of things uh, to cover. Ride sharing kind of happening here in Vancouver now. Well, did you know there's also another ride sharing service that's available in other cities like Whistler, Pemberton, Dofino? Really? You clue it? You is, is that how you pronounce that? I can't say it. Okay. You, you clue. <laughs> Tofino. <laughs> They're next door. Squamish. Gotcha. Uh, it's an app called Whistle. We've got uh, one of the guys behind the app uh, and service to tell us uh, all about it and uh, when it will be rolling out, so to speak, in uh, those locations. Awesome. I'm excited because I go to Whistler a lot and it'd be nice to have another option. Yes, absolutely. Consumer choice is good. I think so. We're going to be talking about cables as well okay i know does that sound exciting well we'll make it sound exciting we will make it sound exciting if you are an iphone or an ipad user there might be a change coming up a different type of cable maybe maybe Maybe. most likely not but but probably yes okay let's talk about some of the app news guys the coronavirus continues to wreak havoc across the globe (laughs) that's not dramatic at all (laughs) i know so one of the things I'm concerned about is that uh, John and I are going to Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. So you're concerned about yourself. It is about me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and not because I'm worried about getting it, because yeah. I'm not, yeah. really. Uh, but I'm worried about them canceling it. Uh, because already we've had some major uh, players, manufacturers, pull out of the conference. Really? So Mobile World Congress is like one of the big shows for like the mobile world, it's the smartphone like world. CES for smartphones. Exactly. Uh, I went for the first time last year. It was awesome. It was cool. Like just to see all the new developments uh, when it's coming to the new handsets and that. So ZTE has pulled out. Uh, I don't know if many people remember them. <laughs> they, they're a handset manufacturer. I mean, that's one of the things they do. Uh, they were in Canada for a while. They pulled out. I don't know if they're back. They, they had some trouble, too, with the Trump administration as well. Big time. Yeah. Big time. And also, LG has pulled out of Mobile World Congress. That's surprising. Because of the coronavirus scare. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's yeah. kind of freaky. Yeah. Uh, Huawei? Huawei has put out a statement saying that they're going. And they've actually outlined the rules around their employees' participation in it. Depending on where their employees are located, they have to stay put or uh, um, uh, self-quarantine for a period of time. There's still a number of weeks before this event, so those self-quarantines can be in play. Well, the the incubation time for the coronavirus is around 15 days, right? So So that week will be great. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, I mean, if if folks are self-quarantining and they they are not showing any symptoms at that time, it seems like that's a reasonable time for them to be able to to go to... So, I mean, you know, good on Huawei for putting those rules in place. That seems responsible. Okay. So there's a lot of Asian folks and companies going to this conference, John. Are you worried? No. Why? I'm invincible. Well, they, they've, they've instituted <laughs> Can a... Can I tell you who's going to get coronavirus <laughs> John. in Barcelona? It'll be John. Uh, they've instituted some rules, right? There is a no handshake rule. Yes. Uh, just going with a straight kiss on the mouth, I think. No, they're not. Full bear hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so no handshakes. And I mean, obviously, you can keep yourself safe by washing your hands. We're going to be covered in Purell. <laughs> Yes, I'm excited about a, that. A Purell mister. There's a yes. smart mister, actually, that you can get. Well, this, I mean, this is really affecting things when it comes to the, you know, technology uh, industry. Um, iPhone maker Foxconn 
uh, says it'll stay shut in China for another week at least. That's where they make a lot of the iPhone and Apple products. And they've also announced that it won't delay the iPhone 9, which has not been announced yet. I think someone at Foxconn got fired for that one. <laughs> iPhone 9? Yeah, so apparently the iPhone SE 2, it's going to be a 4.8 inch. Anyway, uh, we don't know for sure, but someone let slip that don't worry, this coronavirus won't affect the iPhone 9. And every tech blogger on the planet went the what? The iPhone 9? Did they, sk- they skipped a few things. Well, because they went 8 to 10. Oh. Right? 8 and 10 at the same time. Yeah. And then so now they've got the 11, 11. and they've got the 9. It's yeah. You're really? Getting, you, yeah. Do you really think they'll come out with a nine? This is what they're saying. Well, it'll be the SE edition. It'll yes. be the lower. Yes. Yeah. Non-pro. So, but, but do you think they'll call it a nine? Maybe in Germany, right? iPhone nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Blackberry. Bye bye. Yeah, they uh, they've gotten out of the handset market for a few years now. They're concentrating on uh, server cybersecurity. Um, car qnx qnx yep. uh the computers and cars uh but they licensed the blackberry name to be made by tcl the mm. chinese firm yes who makes all of our tvs now uh and again it's so funny because whenever i talk about tcl no one knows what i'm talking about but they're one of the biggest tv sellers in north america now they sell the most tvs and i will say the blackberry handsets that tcl did make they were nice. They were great. Yes. I actually really liked having a physical keyboard again. Yeah. No, I uh, I went to one of their launch events in New York and tried it out. Had a good little camera on it, the keyboard. It's weird going back to a physical keyboard. I never had a BlackBerry. No, me I neither. had a Motorola Q. Do you remember that one? I do. The Windows. Yeah. I had a Mobile. trio. I, see, I, I grew up in Waterloo. So basically, at a certain age, they would assign you a BlackBerry pager. And, and that was it. In grade seven. <laughs> they just give you a BlackBerry. Here, here you okay, go. Michael J. Fox. Right. So uh, I haven't heard what's going to happen now, but TCL is not going to be making Blackberries anymore. I do know that they're going to be really pushing hard on their own brand. Yeah, and we saw at CES a number of new handsets that are coming, and yeah. we're expecting to see a lot more information and hands-on at Mobile World Congress. I, th- I think that's going to shake up the uh, the smartphone market, definitely, because um, TCL, they they are huge. Like, they came in and owned the TV market, like, in a matter of years. And so if they're going to get big into the smartphone market, I think they'll make a dent. Well, and I think they're following the same strategy, right? Because honestly, if you want to, quote unquote, own the TV market, what do you do? You basically go in hard. You drop prices so your margins are super thin. And as long as you can run at that point for some time, consumers will buy them. If you can buy buy a TV that's just as good as somebody else for $100 less, which one are you going to choose? So this is actually what we're seeing in the smartphone market now. And we saw this at CES. They're coming out with, I think it's like three handsets, all of which were under $500 US, no subsidy. Um, so yeah, they're going they're going hard for that market. And you, know, you will find that there are some folks who are brand driven, right? Apple consumers are probably not looking at the $500 TCL and going, gee, that's really swaying me. But the folks who are looking at perhaps the, you know, the Huawei or the Samsung or the LG, and they're going, golly, I mean, I could pay $250, $500 more, or I could get this phone for $500 flat. That's a strong play. I mean, if you're, if you're Samsung, if you're anybody else right now, you're looking at these TCL phones going, how do I compete? Especially if they're going to be offering 5G handsets as well. Yeah. Oh, no doubt yeah. about it. 
uh, it'll be interesting to see what this year shakes out uh, as far as like handsets uh, in in general. Mm. Uh, Huawei still being held back by the U.S. trade war and not being able to use uh, Google's flavor of Android. Uh, I think we're going to see hopefully some information about that at Mobile World Congress. Uh, rumors are they will be launching another flagship phone in March that will be running their own operating system. Maybe we'll see Harmony OS in Spain. That's uh, the name of Huawei's version of Android. Uh, but yeah, I just it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out the operating system market. Like it'll fragment it definitely. And I mean, we can all recognize that Android is fairly fragmented as it is. Adding another crack in that—that's tough for developers. Well, good for Apple. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, though, another news item we have is Apple is going to be offering universal apps very soon. Aren't they kind of doing that now? Well, the idea is you buy one app for your iOS device, so your phone, your tablet, and Mac OS. And Apple TV. And, yeah. So, But doesn't that kind of work that way now? Like, I, There's some apps that I buy that I know some. work. But like Infuse is like this video player app yeah. that I use, and it works yeah. on my iPad iPhone and Apple TV. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like tvOS, iPadOS, and iOS all have had the same code base for a very long time. Yeah. With macOS Catalina, they basically brought the ability uh, through something called Marzipan. It was like a project love, name. I love Marzipan. Delicious. Yeah. Uh, so you could actually have these iOS, iPadOS, and tvOS apps on macOS. That's why we have the Apple TV app there. That's why we have the news app there. And so the idea here of basically breaking down the barriers between all of those operating systems is great. Uh, the best part, though, is being able to pay for something once. Yes. Right? I mean, we've seen things like uh, Things is a to-do list. And if you wanted to buy it, you had to buy it on iPhone, on iPad, and on your Mac. It was a bit of a pain in the neck. So this universal app, buy it once, use it everywhere. Um, you know, people were always worried that Apple was going to iPadify or iPhoneify the Mac OS. Basically, what they've done is they've created these verticals where these uh, platforms stand alone. Right, they they each have apps that work for them, but you buy it once and you get that app for all of your platforms. Uh, if you're an Apple user, there's no downside to this. No, it's great. Uh, one quick story here. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I didn't even know. I have Philips Hue light bulbs yes. in my home, and these are Wi-Fi uh, smart bulbs. Yeah, that and I've got color ones, so they can display millions of colors. They're controlled by the Philips Hue hub. Um, it could be hacked. They can. Apparently Shocking. by a drone flying over your house that would hack one of them and set off a chain reaction compromising all of your bulbs. Can you imagine having your light bulbs hacked? This, this was so crafty, though, because basically when the firmware is updated on these bulbs, they can't be hacked. But if the firmware is not, essentially you fly the drone close enough and you can mess with the bulb enough by flashing the lights and doing things that it gets the owner of the bulb to do the one thing that they shouldn't do if, if the network's vulnerable. Let's reset the bulb. The moment that you do that, it opens up a hole in your network and they basically dive in with this virus. I got to tell you, this is some Mission Impossible stuff. <laughs> Like, I'm seeing Simon Pegg flying this thing, doing so that. If you see or hear a drone flying over your house and your your bulbs start acting funny. Just turn the lights off and go to bed. I'm going to bring my drone to your house next time. You have brought your drone so, to my house. I have. We, we should be clear. Uh, the gateway for Hue has been updated for this. So if you have not had an update, you can actually go into the app and, and push that update. And that is obviously good practice because... 
Going back to Thomas Edison, we've always wanted to make sure we have to update our bulbs. I am going back to candles. I can't stand it anymore. Everything is hackable. I'll hack your candle. <laughs> In half with a knife. <laughs> okay. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, if you were an Apple user, iPhone, iPad, a new cable or connector might be in your future if you stay in the Apple land. We'll tell you more about that. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Eggerbo here with John Beeler. Payment technology. We all use uh, different types nowadays. I mean, cash has always uh, been king, but uh, more and more so now. Electronic payments, everything from debit cards, credit cards, to online payments, to things like Apple Pay, Samsung Pay. Well, uh, we've got uh, a cool guest on the line. Uh, her name is uh, Serielle Choron. She is with Payments uh, Canada, and they've got some uh, interesting stats on uh, how payments are happening here in Canada. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. People are still using cash? Or is that a lot? People are still using cash, but it is declining, exactly. So, as you said, we run uh, a lot of studies and have one that is particularly cool, which is called the Canadian Payment Method and Trend Report. It is an annual report that the Payment Canada will produce each year, looking at how Canadians pay. And definitely, cash is declining. So, it's been declining by 40% in the last five years. So it's wow. quite significant. That's crazy. Very cool. Uh, and so as far as electronic payments uh, are concerned, uh, what's the overall percentage of total payments that are electronic now? Well, we can say that almost three quarters of all payments are made electronically. So it's around like 70 plus, like three quarters. It's everything which is about cards or transfers, so everything not cash or checks. So that's pretty good, like pretty big. Uh, a big thing now, obviously, uh, would be contact uh, contactless payment. Uh, you know, from uh, you know chip cards uh, that you can tap on terminals uh, to uh, mobile phones and even in wearables. Uh, what kind of numbers are we looking at there? Well, if you combine everything from contactless payment, you can see that this tap actually grew by thirty percent since last year, like since twenty seventeen. And when you focus only on Mobile payments, we consider it represents 35% of Canadians using it. So 35% of Canadians tapping their phone at the shop. Very cool. I mean, do you use cash anymore, John? What is that? <laughs> I use my watch to yeah, pay for I everything. <laughs> I, no, I, I actually had to use my credit card the other day for the first time, I swear, in weeks. Oh, really? Because the tap thing wasn't working. I actually had to uh, stick it in. And I'm like, when's the last time I've done that? Because I just use my watch everywhere now. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, sometimes I, I have my debit card with me uh, and I, I get irritated because it gets demagnetized so easy. And so if it doesn't work and I actually have to put it in the machine, I'm irritated. Why don't you put your debit card on your watch? I, I didn't have my watch with me that day, oh. but I had my phone. I could have used that. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe I was just not thinking uh, properly. So as far as uh, any numbers when it comes to uh, credit card use versus debit card use, well, we can see that both are pretty significant, like in terms of all transactions, they are the top ones equally being used. But we can see that debit card is picking up and being almost on part in credit cards. And that was actually what you were talking about, contactless. That's actually that that enabled the usage because this is what has been replacing cash. What about checks? I, uh, I can't remember the last time I wrote a check. You know, I, in business here, at our business, we do. But uh, personally, I, I don't think I've written a check for a long, long time. Uh, is that still a thing? 
Well, it's still a thing, but it's more a thing for businesses and consumers. Your eye check is really declining. Um, you can see that it's been declining around 40%. Uh, it's mainly used when we call it, us in our internal jargon, the remote payment. So when you have to send a payment to pay your tax or to pay certain bills, but we can definitely see this is declining. Well, it uh, definitely is looking like uh, the, the future of payment uh, is uh, contactless and, and mobile uh, as well. Should we be afraid? Should we be afraid of losing cash one day, <laughs> not not being able to pay with cash? Well, it depends where you're staying. You don't need to be afraid. It's a bright and fun future, right? Cash, I don't think it's going to disappear completely, but it's declining. Maybe the use will change, but we are definitely evolving in a more you know, secure environment. We can see that Canadians actually are more at ease with those new technologies and they are more demanding. So it's a different way they want to pay. They're looking for convenience and choice and they want to be able to pay the pay. The, the, they want to pay the way they want, whenever they want. We're talking with Cyril Chiron from Payments Canada. They uh, are the uh, underlying foundation of uh, how all the banks uh, and uh, transactions uh, are happening here in this country. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. Mike, Graham, and John. Sorry. I almost <laughs> forgot you. <laughs> I am definitely going to fly my drone over your house now. Hack <laughs> everything. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about charging cables now. There are literally just two types out in the marketplace at this point. And not at my house. (laughs) No, not at your house. And I think, you know, in a large part, we can probably thank the European Union for that. Yep. Back in 2009, uh, they pushed through legislation that forced manufacturers to adopt a universal charging cable standard. Because you remember before then, there's literally dozens. You had an Nokia phone or a Sony phone or a Samsung phone. They were all proprietary cables. And I still have that drawer full of proprietary cables. I went through mine because I have like a tub aware, like, you know, those big tubs you get from Home Depot full of all that crap. And Every I, man listening to this is nodding along right now going, oh, yeah, I've got that tub. Okay. Too. It's time to recycle them. <laughs> so I went through it all and I, I couldn't believe how many chargers and cables I had that were just completely obsolete. And I, I sent them to recycling. So. Uh, by doing that, uh, pretty well, most every manufacturer went the micro USB way. Yes. Except Apple. They went with their lightning connector. Yes. No, no. Here's the thing. Lightning was, you know, the first of its kind, which was a connector that was, uh, you know. Reversible. Uh, reversible. Right. Um, that had no moving parts inside the device. Right, yeah, um, and was able to communicate with high speed data. Um, they they hit the market before anybody else did, right? With you know USB, it's always been you're wrong 150 percent of the time, <laughs> right? You you plug it in, doesn't work. You plug it in, it doesn't work. You plug it in again. You flip it three times, and oh, suddenly it's working again. And or you've broken the connector. Yes, right. And so like, so Apple Apple got around that. Yeah, back back in the day, uh, because there was a loophole if you uh, provided an adapter. You could get around that. Yes. Uh, but not this time. Now the European Union is telling them what to do. Yes. They haven't agreed on what uh, charging cable it will be, but most likely it'll be the USB-C charging cable standard, no, which we, everyone's using. Yeah, we, we, we've seen that already with the MacBook, 
right? MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, um, they all use USB-C for the power cable and they use the USB-C for the connection to the computer. In fact, everyone got up in arms when Apple removed all of the other ports <laughs> totally. from their laptops. Yes. Except Do- USB-C. Except USB-C. Dongle gate. Yes. yes. You know, well, God forbid I should have to buy something that plugs into this. No, it should have all the ports all the time. Can you people please make up your mind is really what it's come down to. So we've seen that on the MacBooks. Right. We've seen it now on the iPad Pro, which, you know, we were discussing. It's kind of a MacBook with no keyboard. Um, so what's left? We've got the regular iPads and we have the iPhones, the iPhones. I guess you've also got your AirPods. Yeah. Right. Um, the Apple the remote. For Apple TV. remote. So, you know, basically the European Union is saying to millions of Apple customers across the EU, it doesn't matter that all of these things work fairly seamlessly. And perhaps you have bought cables and accessories that work with these. You need to throw all of that out and buy yourself a new cable because we think it's better for you. Okay. So I've got, I've got a few thoughts on this. I think we just have a couple of minutes. Um, I like having just one cable yeah. standard. I think that is excellent. The one thing I'm concerned about is one of the arguments that Apple's brought up is the whole innovation side. Because mm-hmm. that lightning cable was ahead of its time when it came out. Yeah. It was better yeah. than micro USB. Who's going to be like pushing that now? Nobody. Because <laughs> there's no competition, right? The EU. <laughs> <laughs> they do so well at that. Can I, can, I, can I tell you what I would do if I were Apple right now? And you know me, I'm not a nice person. I look at the EU and I'm like, okay, we'll standardize your cable by not putting a cable in the box at all because these things don't use a cable anymore. They charge wirelessly. And the port there on that device is not there for charging. It's actually there for diagnostics and maintenance. Incidentally, you could charge with it if you want to, but these devices are cable free. Okay. I mean, you could go that route, but like how far are we away from wireless? Like we're still years away. I don't know. I charge most of my stuff wirelessly right now. Yeah, I know, but like like really jumping on that bandwagon, like having wireless chargers in all your furniture. and Ikea having, does that? It's not in all the furniture, right? <laughs> like when I go to a bar or a restaurant, like... Some places. Some, well, okay, yes. Is, is, is the EU accidentally leading us into a wireless future? Yes. But well, that's not a bad thing. But it also brings up the question, why should the EU care? It's not like Apple's not including these cables cables with these devices to begin with. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens in the next year when they decide on a standard and if uh, they can force Apple to do it. Okay, when we come back from the break, ride sharing available in Whistler, Squamish, Tofino, coming up and coming soon. We'll tell you what app that is and uh, what you can expect. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Eggerbo here with John Beeler. Ride sharing. Big news here in uh, the lower mainland. We finally got uh, Uber and Lyft. But did you know there was actually another ride sharing service that was uh, already granted uh, a license to operate? Not in Vancouver, but in some other uh, popular spots. Uh, Whistler, Squamish, uh, I believe uh, Tofino as well. On the line, we have... Dylan Green, he is from a company called Whistle, exclamation mark, uh, an app uh, and ride sharing service that works in uh, those locations. Thanks for joining us, Dylan. Hello, Mike. Hi, John. Hello. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Whistle. Uh, Are you guys up and operating? How's it going? Yeah, we just did our first ride today uh, in Tofino. So 
yeah, pretty exciting. This morning at 11 a.m., we finally brought our app um, for passengers to use. We got it published on the App Store uh, and Google Play at the beginning of the week, um, but we're really promoting today as our launch day. And uh, it worked. It was pretty exciting to see uh, passengers and drivers uh, using the app. You know, it's quite simple. We really just focused on, you know, the core reason why people are using ride sharing and that's to get from A to B. So we wanted to make, you know, the app super easy to use and really just focusing on getting from A to B. Um, we're really, you know, testing it this week because it is quiet in Tofino right now. It's the off season, uh, but it's prime time in Whistler right now. It's saying the snow's fallen and uh, Monday's going to be a big day. So we're going to have, uh, that's going to be our real big launch, you know, where we're going to have quite a few more drivers on the platform and we're going to be expecting a lot of volume from passengers. People are really curious that the public demand for ride sharing is, is so strong. People have been waiting so long. So we really want to make sure that the app performs well, we've got drivers available and that passengers can find us. I, uh, I'm, I'm most interested in Whistler because I go up there all the time uh, skiing, uh, you know, staying overnight uh, many times. Uh, how has the, have you heard any feedback from the local taxi company or residents about uh, your service? coming in um i mean from the locals and the business community we've been you know people are just so excited to have another transportation uh option available like we're definitely not here to replace any existing transportation companies the reality is with the the resort destination communities that we are we're going to be launching in is we're so far behind in meeting the demand for transportation you know really whistler tofino we're, we're small towns, right? But we have the whole world come to visit us on weekends, long weekends, holidays. And so there's these huge uh, spikes in demand for transportation. And that's really what ride sharing is going to be able to solve. Because what we're going to do is we're going to use locals with their own cars. The first time a local with their own car can actually charge a fare in BC. That's basically what this ride sharing license allows us to do. And so... You know, locals that want a, a second job or just or, or are in between jobs or want to take advantage of, you know, say a peak weekend time, they can just turn on the app for a few hours, target those really busy times. And and that's what a small company, small transportation company can't do. You know, a normal transportation company has to have a fleet of drivers year round, a fleet of uh, cars year round. And so when you have the seasons and these peaks and valleys, of demand. How do you keep those cars maintained all year? How do you keep all your drivers employed? But with ride sharing, we can just ramp up with with local cars and local drivers for those peak times because people are going to naturally want to work during a peak time where they can make the most amount of fares. And so that's really you know the exciting thing about ride sharing. Do you have any uh, special challenges with the locations that you're in? Uh, you know, Whistler, obviously, skiing destinations, so everyone's going to have a snowboard or a set of skis, some boots. Tofino, everyone's got a surfboard or, you know, wetsuits and that kind of thing. Do you have any special requirements for your drivers to, to accommodate those uh, pieces of equipment? Yeah, well, we're going to offer drivers with roof racks that uh, they keep a bit more of the fare, but we're also looking at um, supplying uh, roof racks. Um, because we know, obviously, that everyone in Whistler has to have a roof rack and same in Tofino. So, you know, we've been uh, working with Rack Attack, um, trying to get, you know, volume discounts. And, you know, that's our goal is to have uh, as many of our cars with um, with roof racks, you know, available for skis, uh, snowboards, and then, of course, in Tofino, uh, surfboards. So, uh, and we've actually even been sort of, sort of custom designing to get the price down 
with a fabricator that I know. It's been kind of fun. We're just trying to, you know, use the Thule bases and the Thule clips, but have our own bars and, and, and clamps uh, just to make it cost effective so we can get them on almost every car. So I've got a question for Whistler. Um, will people be able to wear ski boots in, in the cars or do they have to take those off? It's a good question. I mean, we're definitely um, have already also get, you know, been providing those rubber floor mats, um, especially in the few cars that we're providing for drivers. So basically we found that not every driver has a 10 year car. So we're going to have, you know, a few house vehicles that drivers can rent so they can ride share. And so we've been uh, outfitting all of those with those uh, rubber mats, those, those sort of custom heavy duty rubber mats. So, you know, I think it would be our goal and our vehicles to, uh, you know, the people don't have to take them off. We're uh, talking uh, with uh, the uh, the man behind uh, one of the uh, the ride sharing companies here in BC that services uh, places like Tofino, uh, Whistler, and, and Squamish, or about to uh, service some of those uh, areas. Uh, exciting times. His name is Dylan uh, Green. Has it been a challenge to get drivers because of the um, the Class Four driving restriction? For sure. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, especially for launch. I think long term. Once we're rolling, it's not going to be so much of a, of a hurdle, but it's definitely for launch because there's been so much excitement for people that want to, they're starting to realize what how they can fit ride sharing into the, into their life and how they can make some money with it. But we've had to focus on just existing class four drivers so that we, we can launch uh, as soon as possible. Um, we've been running, you know, we've run two sessions in Whistler and one session to Fino, you know, Free sessions for people who are interested in, in, in driving and who want to learn what it takes to pass your knowledge test. We've we've offered these courses and there's they've been um, all of them have been full. It's just you really have to keep um, motivating uh, and making it easy for people to realize. Okay, once I pass my knowledge test, I'll book my road test. I'm doing my road test in my own car, so that I'm comfortable in my own car. It's going to be you know it's just getting through, keeping, you know, helping people along the way so they realize that it's not a big hurdle to get your Class 4 license. Because we're talking about a restricted Class 4 license, which is, you know, you're driving your own car. Unrestricted Class 4 is like a bus, like a mini bus. And, um, but there are challenges. Like you go to the BC auto plan, the ICBC auto plan to get your commercial booklet that you need to know to pass your knowledge test. And it's a big book, you know, it's got air brakes in there, all these things <laughs> that don't apply for Class 4 restricted. So we're just trying to coach uh, all our all our potential drivers that you don't need to read every chapter of the book you know these are the chapters you need for class four restricted and and you know just trying to you know make it not seem like such a big big task what type of time frame are we looking now for uh, a rollout uh, for some of these other cities you said you've uh, just started up in tofino uh whistler's coming online soon what what, what are we looking at so squamish is going to be a target launch location for us just purely because we had so much interest from uh, drivers and, and existing class four drivers. So, you know, Squamish is, you know, a powerhouse in its own self, you know, with its connection to Vancouver and, and being a happening young city in itself and also the connection up to Whistler where a lot of uh, people who work in Whistler commute every day from Squamish. So uh, we're going to really target with the development of our app um, this concept of pooled rides and we, we're going to really target Squamish and you cool it in Pemberton, you know, where there are probably regular trips, you know, probably at the same time each day of people commuting into Whistler and back home and open and allow 
pool drives to happen on those longer hauls so that you know people can not have to pay the full fare for a whistle ride into into Whistler. They can request a pooled ride and we can connect two independent parties onto the same ride into Whistler and same coming into Tofino from Euclid. So those are kind of like the mobility solutions that we start to get excited about, about what's different about uh, uh, ride sharing, you know, with an app over taxi, traditional taxi. What kind of cost are we looking at, uh, Dylan? So our cost um, is... Our model is our prices are going to be very similar to taxis, so we're really not trying to, you know, replace an existing transportation company. We're just we're really wanting to add inventory because we really feel that the real problem in Whistler and Tofino are just the lack of availability of cars, and especially at those peak times. Um, but the pool drive is where we're going to offer that lower fare, where we're where it gives us the ability to put two independent parties on the same vehicle, so that the fare will be shared and all of this also is also driven by our drivers our independent drivers so we want to make sure that they're making uh, a good wage as well so we're you know for us you know for whistle you know we're, we're thinking on both sides we're thinking about providing a, a good service for our passengers but we're also trying to make sure our drivers are, are being paid well for the services that they're providing so it's sort of unique uh, we're sort of trying to help both sides of the uh, the driver and the passenger. We're talking with Dylan Green. He uh, is with Whistle. That's Whistle with an exclamation mark. Uh, it's an app available in the uh, Apple App Store and Google Play Store. And it's uh, ride sharing for uh, many little towns outside of Vancouver, including Whistler, Squamish, uh, Tofino, Pemberton. Thanks for joining us today, Dylan. Thank you so much. When we Thanks, come, Mike. Thanks, John. When we come back from the break, we're going to find out how uh, digital payments work here in Canada. You're back with the App Show. It's time for John's App Pick of the Week. What do you got? This is a, a favorite app of mine. I've used it a lot for shooting photos and especially shooting video. The cool thing about this app is you can actually shoot and import your other videos or photos into this app, or you can shoot natively with it. It's called Ima Engine. I-M-A-E-N-G-I-N-E. It's a paid app. It's a couple bucks. uh, And it vectorizes your images or video. And what that means is it turns it into like, what looks like a painting that's being drawn in real time by your phone. And it can create some very stunning uh, visuals. Um, You can... uh, But this works with stills and videos. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can actually record natively in the app and you can actually change the color palettes. You can change the level of line out like outlines and um, all, all kinds of great stuff with it. Just check it out. Uh, we'll post some uh, samples on our website. And uh, I'm an engine. I'm an engine. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com, giving away a pair of $1,000 headphones. Ooh. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter and you'll be entered to win. want to thank everyone that helps put this together. John, Graham... Stephen, Christina, we'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.